Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. The new year, and it's a unique Heisman year. I'm Yogi Roth, joined by Ted Robinson. Of course, it's Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure. We are on the precipice of the college football championship game, Ted. Happy 2021. The world is crazy as we record this, but we have at least some semblance of consistency, which is you and I on Zoom and our podcast. You can get it anywhere you possibly are seeking a podcast. So welcome back, brother. Hope you had a good holiday. Uh, same to you, Yogan. And 2021 is going to be your first year, full calendar year with your new family. And I'm just thrilled for you. And uh, and look, we all, everybody's in the same boat. We all hope that 2021 brings us more joy. Uh, you know, sports, be, forget sports, just joy, totally join our lives, normalcy, et cetera. Um, but I thought this... This obviously this New Year's weekend, we had the semifinals of the national playoffs and this, you know, we'll get to Pac-12 things, but maybe it's better just to take about the big picture at the beginning because we had the national playoffs and then uh, the Heisman Trophy, which was done virtually for the first time. We're both voters, so it's something that we care about and something that I'm terribly invested in personally and you've been involved wonderfully at the Campbell Trophy uh, which was awarded to somebody with a Pac-12 link of some sort. So we have all of that to start. And uh, I, I will say this, as a Notre Dame grad, but not a fervent, I mean, I don't, as you know me, I don't wear it on my chest and I don't go crazy. I was ecstatic that Notre Dame, and I thought they earned the fourth spot. I don't think there was anything better than four, but I thought they earned the fourth spot. But I do believe that it was exposed this past weekend that uh, Notre Dame is probably the fourth or fifth best program, college football program in the country right now. The gap to one is huge, is huge. And I don't think personally, I just don't think that's healthy for college football. No. And we've talked about it ad nauseum here around the playoff and what that's done to the game. And now here we go. And I'm going to call it like the, the next iteration of college football. I think we're fully in it uh, after this championship game because it's NIL the portal and the one-time transfer rule is rolling. So it's true, but it's better than free agency in the NFL because it's anytime, anywhere, any player. And I just think that, um, I think Kyle Whittingham said it years ago. He goes, there's major inequities in college football. And now, and, and we can't change some of those. Like it's nine conference game versus eight conference game. There's, there's a lot of things we could talk about that will not change. But this thing that is happening now to the game with where teams are and what the playoff has done, in my opinion, to college football and recruiting, which I can get into my opinion on that, uh, it, it ain't stopping. It's just not going to stop. I just don't believe that right now. When you look at the way Alabama's playing, I'm going to pick them in the title game. I'm going to go ahead and just say it right now. I think it's going to be a, a really fun game offensively. Love what Justin Fields is about. And of course, Ryan Day, you know, you know him from the 49er days uh, coming off the chip tree. But yeah, college football is... It is different than it was when I played. It was different than five years ago, man. It, it, what's the what is, what's the biggest difference to you? I think the biggest difference um, 
is, well, there's a lot, but I do think the inequities in college football, like they're dramatic and that the way that the game is marketed. And I remember talking to Fowler about it last year, Chris Fowler at the ESPN announcer. I said, all you guys talk about is the playoff, like from week one. And it was like yeah. UW Auburn, one of those years where they played him. And he goes, yeah, because that's all the fans want. No, no, totally. I'm with you with that. I mean, I like Chris, but I disagree totally with that take. Yeah. And, and regardless, like, I think the people who have microphones, it's our job to craft like what football is, what college football looks like. And when it's, if UW loses, they're out of the CFP race. You craft the narrative. And I think that's really hurt the game. And then in recruiting, every year I'm with the top kids in the country. And when I ask them who they're looking at, Ted, nine out of 10 guys, they could be from any region of the country. They talk about the four teams that are in the playoff. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's, that's what they know. And, and by the way, the response to the take about that's what the fans care about. Did you see what the ratings were for the semifinals of CFP? Down. The ratings were down. And I keep going back to Boise State, and we have both of us have such respect for Coach Pete. What makes March Madness? That's it makes because the basketball equivalent of Boise State makes March Madness. The CFP is a private party, and the host decides who's invited to the private party. There's no fairness, there's no equity, so don't expect any. If you're Cincinnati, which is by the way, the only school that I would have thought had a legitimate shot to say we should have been the fourth team. If, if they had chosen Cincinnati as the fourth team, I would have been the first one to say, hey, amen. They are undefeated, playing a decent schedule. They should have had that shot. But that isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen because Notre Dame or the equivalent Notre Dame, if, whether it, let's say it's a PAC school, USC, or even Oregon, is going to bring juice to that matchup. It's going to bring eyeballs, they think. But the but the reality is the ratings were down, even with Notre Dame playing Alabama. The <laughs> ratings crazy. were down. I didn't. I didn't check that. I didn't yes. know that. And what? What to me the dis the only the true disappointing thing at the end of the year, reflecting back without emotion, was Cincinnati not getting the fourth spot because if there was a year to give it to a team, this was the year. This was the year because of the discrepancy in games. Notre Dame goes to a conference. Like you could have made an argument, right? And that we all would have accepted. Like, yeah, give them a chance. But now that they didn't have it, there's no chance. If we look at the committee, which will remain the same committee next year, were they ever going to give an outside team a shot yeah. when you play a full slate of games? Is it 11 and 1 Oregon going to get in over a 12 and 0 Cincinnati? 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. It's just based on the precedent that we've seen. And, and it was to me, it was it was a good thing because the SEC didn't get two teams, Amen. Uh, and and the uh, the truth that I know people, yeah, you know, I mean, look, Notre Dame is always going to be that school that has haters and they're lovers. It's just that school. Um, the fact is, they played a, they played a full season in the ACC. They beat the defending national champs. Okay, they beat them. They had one loss, which is why they should have been the fourth team, and they were the fourth team. If to me, if you have any legitimate question about the four teams it's ohio state now ohio state had a great i mean obviously they had a phenomenal performance but before that if you were going to question the four any of the four teams it's ohio state simply based on the number of games and the fact the rules were changed to to grease their skid in and, and i'll say i'll tell you this yogi i have um, a good friend uh and we, we i'll leave this friend anonymous but i have a good friend 
who is very, very close to Dabo Sweeney. So I asked the good friend after Clemson, you know, getting got rolled, getting getting rolled. Thank you. I was going to say something yeah. that I probably shouldn't have uh, by Ohio State. I asked him, did Dabo regret saying what he did about Ohio State? The answer was no. The Dabo saw what coaches went through every week that had to go through 10, 11 games and the work they had to put in. And he thought that was greater than the work that a coach like Ryan Day, and just as an example, Ohio State, or we could say any coach in the Pac-12 who played six games or Herm Edwards played four games or whatever. I snapped at my colleague and I, I went back and I said, okay, so here, here's a voice coming from the Pac-12. I said, first of all, the Pac-12 could not have started any sooner than it did because the state of California was not allowing it. The state of California, the state, okay, 40 million people. And that's four of your 12 schools, including USC, which is somewhat important in football, right? So yeah. they couldn't have started any sooner. So they could not have played more games. When Stanford got the green light to play football, their players were in like 35 different states. <laughs> they had to bring them all back and gather and try to get enough weeks of prep in as the coaches all wanted to make sure that we could play the game with some reasonable safety. Um, then Stanford gets kicked out of its campus, gets kicked out. They're homeless in, in a good way. And I don't mean to equate it to serious homelessness, but from the football standpoint, Stanford's homeless. And they win their last three games. And so I said to him, I said, David Shaw is the national coach of the year. In my view, in my view, so they played six games. So don't minimize that. And that frustrates me because that's the, again, yogis, we've talked about that was the window into the mindset. And it's not vicious. It's not malicious, but it just exists in other parts of the country. And as I said, where college football is treated as a professional sport. Yeah. I mean, you said everything that I'd co-sign. I, I said on the PAC 12 networks that coach Shaw was my coach of the year based on everything you, you just referenced. And the, the only problem I have the main problem I have with, with Dabo is that, and I said this today, and, and it's, not a, it's not necessarily political. Like my comment was on politics. I think that players reflect leadership. They reflect their coaches. When you're an elite coach like Dabo, you know who else reflects you? Other coaches, high school coaches, Pop Warner coaches, parents. And to me, for a guy who, who was always seen up until this year to be incredibly intelligent regarding EQ, right? Which EQ would be loosely defined as having empathy and understanding of your thoughts and the thoughts of others and be able to communicate them. It was a zero, right? Whether it was around Black Lives Matter or whether it was around COVID-19. And the last statement he made to me was like, yeah, it's hard for you, but just because they aren't playing games, it's, it's, it's not a competition, which is harder. Like they're both dramatically challenging, like Everybody elevate the hard. game. Yeah. Elevate the game. And that's where I was just bummed because so many people have raved about him. I've talked to former players or people in the profession and I was just disappointed. And I would, I would love to interview him because I would ask him that, you know, I, I talked to one of his good friends about it. Who's dialed in, in that program. And he always talks about how like connected he is to the message. And I was like, man, this year, that dude was, he was not, respectfully not connected to the message and and it was too bad and then he got rolled so then everybody just jumped on him even worse which that's just the nature of the environment that we're in right now which isn't fair either but yeah I, I was just uh I was bummed for being a being an elite coach in that regard I just I don't think he meant the moment did Justin Fields performance 
change your mind? Or I, I, I really wonder, and I have no way of concretely knowing, but I re- I'm watching, I'm going, man, that's going to make some NFL people look and look more oh, yeah. carefully about, you know, this automatic Trevor Lawrence being the first pick. And it may be, I don't know. I just, when the guy plays like that on the stage, it's Sam Darnold's Rose Bowl, or you go way back, Jamarcus Russell, who oh, became yeah. the Sugar number Bowl. one pick in the entire draft based on a bowl game against Notre Dame, in fact, a Sugar Bowl where he threw like some 75-yard rope flat-footed <laughs> yeah. or something. Um, I'm wondering if Justin, because, I mean, that was, God, I mean, I, you know, as you did, you know, I canvassed these things for the Heisman vote and Justin Fields, his his regular season performance, small body of work just didn't warrant that kind of Heisman consideration. He looked like the Heisman Trophy winner in that game. Yeah, th- this was the year that I wished we got to vote after yes. like all the games, you know, just might as well just let us wait Agreed. it out. Um, it, you know, maybe Devontae Smith wins in a landslide, even more dramatic than he did. But I think it would have been just more intriguing. But I, I, I remember like yesterday meeting Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence at the Elite 11 on the Nike campus, same class, same year. I had it flipped. I had Fields coming in at one, Trevor two, but it was like one A, one B. And Justin Fields to me was as impressive as Jameis Winston, who at the time was the most impressive high school quarterback I'd ever seen. The way he took notes and Trevor in and of itself was the same. Like these two guys were at elite level. They were both pros. You knew it coming in. Trevor was a lock to be that. Uh, But Justin just had something about him, you know, and you look at the athleticism he's just, he's really dynamic and he was committed to Penn state at the time. And I was like, man, I can't wait to see what his career does. And what I love about both of them, but Justin specifically in this conversation, how competitive he is. I mean, he is, he could have laid down this year. He could have opted out. He could have said, Hey, I'm going to go to the league, but man, he went for it and he did it with grace. He competed his tail off and he clearly had a chip on his shoulder. He had a score that he needed to settle. And when you saw him took that hit to the ribs, I was like, shut it down, bro. You're good. Like, who knows? I'm on a text thread with guys in the, in the NFL, and they're like, he can pass. He's not just a chuck and duck quarterback. You know, he's not just playing catch. He's playing the position. And, yeah, I don't, I don't think he unseats Trevor at one probably for Jacksonville, but he's not that far behind, and yeah. I, I'm fired up for him. I, yeah, and it's interesting, and I don't, I don't profess to know. I just was – I think now it's a legitimate question. Yeah. And – Here's the point, and I told you this before we started. I spent some time, and you can find it on my TED tube, uh, with Jeep Chris today, who is a wonderful person. He's a Pac-12 father. Um, he is the brother of a huge coach, Paul Christ, at Wisconsin. His dad was a legendary coach in Wisconsin, and Jeep just spent 25 years in the NFL as a coach. So, I mean, <laughs> we're talking about a guy with some football chops, and and it's funny because I was talking to him about the what we talk about a lot, which to me is kind of a reversal of what football went through for years, which was the pro game bled down. And it, the pros wanted a quarterback that could get in the huddle, command a huddle, get to the line of scrimmage, pre, pre snap, read, call, take a snap from center. And suddenly, you know, college, high school, passing league, seven on sevens. And even Jeep admitted the game's bubbling up now instead of bleeding down. Yep. And the NFL is, and I, I saw this my last couple of years of the 49ers, I thought, and it's really, I think, come to 
more of a forefront with Jackson in Baltimore and Kyler Murray, who has yet to have success, big success in Arizona, but certainly there's hope. Um, The game's bleeding up. And so therefore I'm, I'm asking between Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, the reason I started thinking about this is which guys better suited for NFL 2025. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I, I, I could flip a coin. Because I see Trevor and there's there's an element of Herbert, right? Like there's a, it's a fair comp, yes. I think. Yes. You know? Herbert had a great year. Amen. And yeah. He's not, he's not what I'm talking about, but you're right. He had a great rookie year. Yeah, I'm with you. It reminds me, um, you, you remember Joey Roberts. He was with us first season. So Joey called me up about three years ago and he said, I just had lunch with Andy Reid. And I said, oh, tell me about it. And he said that he felt as though uh, the NFL was five years behind college and college was five years behind high school. And he goes, it's finally happening. And this was when Marcus was kind of doing his thing. And all of a sudden, the zone read and the RPO game was just inching his way. And here comes Pat Mahomes, right? Not surprised to see it. And he predicted it. He goes, it's, it's going to come. And I think you're, you're right. And I think there's a, there's a few reasons why. One is we're seeing high school quarterbacks play so many snaps. So here's a, here's a number. I'll, I'll be off by a couple. But Baker Mayfield, uh, Pat Mahomes, Jared Goff, in college – they had over 1,200 out of their like whatever, 1,200 snaps combined in their final season. I think there was like eight of them were under center, right? They're all playing from the gun. They're also all repping like crazy in high school. So they get to college and they've seen these coverages. They've made these seam throws. So it's like, hey, just get them in the game. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing so many young guys play. Problem is we're not seeing young guys thrive. We're not seeing young guys process. And that to me is where you could also probably say, well, that's where the games change a little bit because Alabama, Mac Jones is processing. Better believe that. That's, you, know? you know this as a coach because that's the thing I will say this as an announcer and not just what I am, but I learned this in 10 years in the NFL, pre-snap read. That's what the great, the great Tom Brady's brilliance has been rooted in the fact that he walks to the line with 14 on the play clock. So he has enough time to make a pre-snap read and adjust as he would Philip Rivers. It's the same way. Brilliant at that stuff. And that's what I worry about. For example, the air raid guys. There's no pre-snap yeah. read in air raid. To me, that is an essential to succeed in the NFL. Yeah, so we did this thing at Elite 11 that you'll, you'll love. And I'll show you my playbook next time. We bought a 90-page playbook. And it's chunked into three compartments. One is pure progression, which I talk about on our broadcast all the time, which means can you just go from your first option to the second to the third, regardless of defense? That's the air raid, right? They don't care what the defense is doing. And I'll remember here's a, here, in the NFL. No, and here's a story for you. There, USC, I remember being at practice and uh, talking to Graham Harrell about it, who's an air raid guy. And he said that when JT Daniels was a freshman, a lot of times he was – or. Uh, I guess heading into his sophomore year, uh, he was trying to overthink the offense. Well, they're playing this. And JT is a total like pre-snap look guy, yeah. right? And Graham was like, dude, just throw it. And then Keaton Slovis in practice one day made an amazing completion. And he said, well, why'd you throw it to him? He goes, oh, well, he was just open. Like he couldn't tell you the coverage. He was 18 years old coming out of high school, but that's kind of, it eliminates the clutter. So that that's like kind of why, People love the air raid from a coaching standpoint. It's you play, you process, you fly through, or you don't even process, you play and you, you throw it to green grass, you throw it to whoever's open. So, which is an issue. Right. Okay. So so let me just finish on these. So it's pure progression. It's progression with an option, 
which is saying like, okay, now I got to read it a little bit. And then there's PSL or pre-snap look. Those are the three. Like you really want to chunk offensive football. I think it's in those three categories. Now there's, there's, there's drop back, there's play pass. There's all that other crap that you want to kind of talk about, but ultimately pure progression, right? Pre, uh, progression with option or pre-snap look. How important is pre-snap look in college right now? I think it's important. I think it's more important than you think on the critical downs, right? We did a study on, uh, and I, it's always on my call sheet when I'm calling games with you of when Marcus Mariotti went inside the 10 in Oregon, inside the 10 yard line. And again, I, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to project a little bit, but his completion percentage was like in like the thirties or forties. Kevin Hogan's was in like the high sixties, Yeah. right? As the field shrinks and space tightens, you got to anticipate. And that's the thing that I think sometimes gets lost is not anticipating option one. That's pure progression. It's can you anticipate the defense moving and getting to that third option on the backside or whatever it may be. And that's where, uh, that's where the mastery comes in. Now, do you need that in the NFL? Some might argue, I don't know if you need it. Will, will it allow you to start and thrive? I think so. And here's my last story on that. This was amazing. And uh, I, 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 don't have the, I can't share the clip, but I'll, I'll tell the story. Jared Goff is sitting across from a bunch of Elite 11 quarterbacks. And he's sitting next to me, uh, psychologist Mike Gervais, Trent Balky, who you know, and Trent Dilfer. Balky was out at the Niners, so he came down to help us out. And on the other side of the table, I'll try to remember them all. It was Jared Stidham. It was Manny Wilkins of Arizona State for this audience. It was Tua Tungavailoa. It was... Uh, uh, Broncos starting quarterback, um, Missouri. Uh, why am I blanking oh, on his uh, name? Drew Locke. Drew Locke. Um, and a uh, guy who started for Baltimore last week, Penn State quarterback, Trace McSorley. Hmm. Right? Uh, and I think Jalen Hurts was there too. And he goes, all right, I want to ask all of you the same question. Zero to 10, what do you think your football knowledge is? And it was amazing to hear every guy answer it. And most of them honestly gave their well they all gave their honest answer but most said they were like a three four two i think said he was like a seven or an eight Hmm. right just to speak to his confidence and jared goes you know what i would have said i was probably a three going into the league jared played in the air raid the bear raid is what they called it at cal because but the truth is when i got the nfl i was a one barely i didn't know defensive fronts i didn't so it's just a learning curve that is dramatic and that to me is uh that's real. Now, will it? I don't think it'll ever be eliminated. Defenses are too good. I think you have to be that's, able to process. That's where I was going to go with you, Yogi. Is that this is Bill Walsh told me this years ago at Stanford, and I'm, and I lived it. To me, it was absolutely. It's even more vivid today. I remember Bill Walsh telling me this about Vince Young. He said Vince Young won't get away with this in the pros because the defenses are just as fast as he is. He's faster than ninety percent of the defensive guys in college. Not in the NFL. Defenses have speed. And that's where, to swing it back from what I've tried to gather, is that's why the pre-snap thing is so vital in the NFL. Yeah. Okay. So we're trying to keep these now to like 30 minutes or so. So we're running up against a little bit. But as we talk about that, there's a coach that came from the NFL to our conference, Jen Fish. Yep. Right? And if you look at his staff, he hired Brennan Carroll. You know well. Best man at my wedding, to be just totally <laughs> honest. Uh, yeah, decently well. How much did uh, that cost you? <laughs> I'm just glad he came. I know. Um, I but love- when I think about this offense 
And I've talked to Brennan about it, right? He's going to be, uh, if you look at his background, right? USC, West Coast offense. Then he went to Miami with Jed and their offense. And then uh, he went to Seattle. And that run game, as you know, that is based in Alex Gibbs. So for the football nerds, Google Alex Gibbs. This is a Denver Broncos zone read run game that continue to produce 1,000-yard rushers. So I talked to him. I said, what are, what are you doing offense, man? He's like, well, we have to assess our personnel because a lot of people have left Tucson, including the starting quarterback. And they're going to get somebody here in the portal in the next couple of days. Uh, but with that, I think it's going to be fun to watch Excuse me, them set their offense up because it's not going to be just be playing catch. You're going to have to play quarterback under Jed. And that's going to be a selling point for wherever they get to transfer in out of the portal to become yeah. the competitor, at least for the starting position of that, at that spot for, for the think it's a West Cats. coast offense. I think everything they'll do will be based in the West coast offense. Okay. And I think that is critical because yeah. it'll, it forces you to process, right? So you can, you can run the West coast. Off. I think Alabama's running a version of the West coast offense. If you pit pause, there's triangles everywhere, right? And that's the, that's like the simplistic you version of the West Coast. The West Coast offense. Yes. And you can one. you can win no, with the West Coast. Yeah, and you could spread it out in the West Coast and you could have two tights in the West Coast. And oh by the way, they're running a version of that at Washington, at Cal, obviously at Stanford, um, at Alabama. I mean, I just think that there's something to yeah. I, and I'm excited it we'll we'll get there hopefully for spring, but definitely for fall what Jed is doing offensively i think it's gonna be fun as they've uh they've announced their entire offensive staff and they're, they're gonna hire i think a big name defensive coordinator it might even come out prior to us uh, prior to this podcast even be published. well the, the stories have been out there about don brown that got let go at michigan who's pretty yeah. what do you think is that is that possibility i know it was real right now does he end up at uh, all the other suitors right there's a lot of huge programs that are rumored to be attracted to him i don't know that uh, but I look at the staff that Jed's put together and it's been fun. Cause I, t- I texted with Teddy Bruschi the other day. He's like, I, we need a guy like this. I am so fired up. And Good. I think for fans, they were like, what, why? And now you look at the staff, Dwayne Walker in the back end, right. Kind of coaching the nickels, Dwayne Walker, the former DC at UCLA been in the NFL for a long time. Chuck Cecil will help on the recruiting front. Uh, they just got Jalen Harris, who, to, for the recruiting nerds on this, his dad played there. He went to Colorado, went in the portal. Now he's coming home from Tucson. So I just think they're doing a lot of the, a lot of good things, a lot of things you need to do prior to playing a game. So that's the only uh, coaching change in the conference, right, out of the 12, is Arizona. Let me let, let's try to wrap this up though with some transfer portal information, Conf- conversation more accurately. It is to me stunning. Maybe I was jarred. You you tipped me off to this about Utah. That once and sadly we lost Ty Jordan, but once Ty Jordan emerged about what about week three of a shortened season, the other two running backs immediately bailed. Jake Bentley comes in as a transfer plays year and is bailing again meaning that he'll wind up at a third division one school. All of the things that we, well, not so much you, but me <laughs> have grown up with about college are gone that you can play for three schools in a D one schools. I mean, that was, that didn't exist until recently. It isn't going to change in my view. I don't see how it will change. So is that becoming, and I asked you this a couple of weeks ago, cause you so focus on the high school recruiting and on signing day, and is signing day so diminished now because the transfer portal is going to be the way you build the team? I think it is for this year and for next year, for sure, because of COVID. 
right? The amount of signees that I'd say out of call the out of every kid who signed early in the Pac-12, I'd say less than five percent visited a campus, like on an official visit. Yeah, much because you couldn't even have them, so they had to they had to take um, you know their version of their visit. I talked to a couple guys who went to Stanford. They took it like the week before it all shut down, right? So what does that mean? Sight unseen, coach uncoached. You didn't go to summer camp. You didn't get to know how someone coaches you or how, you know, you like being coached by that individual. And now you've got, um, I don't want to say an easy out, but you got an out. So I, what I'm worried about is two things. I'm, I'm well, really three things. I'm worried about uh, coaches not coaching players hard. Because they're like, is he going to leave? Uh, you know? And now all of a sudden, are you conceding culture? Right? And for teams that might be bubble teams or staffs that might be, you know, who knows, you know, on the proverbial hot seat, what is that like within their program? I, I wonder what that's going to be. I, I'd imagine coaches will all say the same thing. We're going to coach how we coach. And if they want to leave, leave. But I wonder if that's real. Uh, second thing, I'm worried about, the Richard Mullaney effect. Remember him? Yep. Slot receiver. Lane needed a receiver. Grad transfer thing was real. He got a slot receiver. He took Brent Brennan's number one receiver to Oregon State. Right? That's going to happen to a lot of the middle-of-the-road Power 5 teams. And then the third one is the timeline. There is no free agency period. That's right? There is no portal period. So now I can go get a guy at any point. Think about this. Now, you wouldn't be able to transfer and, and be eligible, but I could transfer now. Let's just be Patrick O'Brien. Patrick O'Brien, Southern California kid, same class as KJ Costello, went to, he's at his third school, went to Nebraska out of high school, Colorado State, and now he's at Washington. Is there a world that after spring ball, he's like, yeah, why not? I'm not the guy, I'm going to go again. Now, he'll have to sit out because of you can't transfer twice and be eligible, but like those worlds exist. And I just think I'm worried about it. I think so many players that I've talked to and their families, they're sold these pipe dreams where they're going to just go and start. And at the end of the day, there's not gonna be enough scholarships for kids. So, so I'm worried about it, man. Amen. And so you'll, we'll finish up on this. So I, we, we went through this watching, we were up at uh, Washington at the beginning of their season, when they chose Jacob Eason to be the starter, Chris Peterson did, and Jake Hayner immediately transferred. Immediately. The first week of the season. And I think I said it to you at the time, that's just, that's just the point that hammers home. You can no longer, as schools had you know, good, good programs, successful programs for years, stockpile three, four quarterbacks in the room. Done. Why do you think the NFL has the backup quarterbacks they have? Because nobody wants, in the NFL, nobody wants a guy in the room as the number two that thinks he should be number one. It's disruptive. Yeah. Nobody wants that. And, and I think college is going to have to adapt in the same way. So Notre Dame, this week, got a transfer from where? Wisconsin, right? They got a yeah, transfer from call. Wisconsin quarterback. But they've also recruited a guy that I'm told, because I don't follow this. You probably know the guy. I couldn't even tell you his name. But he's supposed to be a stud. He's just done. And he's, he's coming in because Ian Book was done. So he expects he's going to play. Suddenly you get this transfer coming in. I, I don't know. I have no idea other than saying this is interesting. And because the kid, if the transfer plays, 
is the the, the high recruit going to stay? Who stays anymore? Yeah, well, and I wouldn't bet against the young man who uh, who came in the game, the backup. Yeah, one of the most competitive kids I've been around. Competitive, uh, lacking not the biggest stature, lacking yeah. stature. One hundred percent. That's going to be tough. Yeah. So I, I on that. So let's just give an example, real time example. Um, Stanford's quarterback room, right? Let's talk about who's in it. Tanner McKee and Jack West, and they're going to bring in Ari Patu, who I love, by the way, if you watch their signing day show. Love Ari Patu. His brother, brother Oren, plays for Cal. Uh, his mom and dad were athletes. I'm just a huge fan of this kid. Uh, didn't even He hasn't even had a full season as a starting quarterback, by the way. Three quarterbacks in that room. What is there? There's room to breathe. There's room to breathe and be like, I got a chance. Right. If you're if you're the freshman, yeah. I got a chance to play. Let Tanner McKee do his thing. Cause I'd imagine Tanner's gonna start over Jack West, right? See how the competition plays out. Let's go up the road. Let's go to Oregon. Let me just list off the top of my head the quarterbacks in their room. I should remember them all. Obviously, Tyler Shuck. They could bring back a transfer from Boston College who played a ton in the game, Anthony Brown. Then they have a young man, uh, Hugh Mellon's son, uh, Kale Mellon. Right. Then they have Jay Butterfield. Then they have a young man named Robbie Ashford, who I think was a he was a Ole Miss commit with Rich Rod up until that thing ended, ended up going to Oregon. And they just signed Ty Thompson, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. I'm counting six, and I might be missing one. There ain't no oxygen in that room. That's probably how they like it regarding um, you know the competition. But you're right. So here's the scenario I want to pose. I I pray this doesn't happen, but let's just pretend. Let's just pretend. Um, this is, this is not a great scenario. Let's just say Mac Jones leaves to the NFL and uh, Bryce Young is starting quarterback at Alabama. And let's just say something happens, uh, tears a fingernail, because I don't want to put any bad energy out there for Bryce Young, on August 20th. Yeah. School has not started yet. And, and sick, here comes Alabama. Well, who do we want to go get? Hey, Keaton Slovis, you want to come run our offense? Okay. Hey, but will Keaton Slovis, would he be by August of this year? Will he be eligible? Yeah, you can would transfer he be immediately it. eligible August of this year because you don't start school. So as long as you don't trigger the academic year, and I believe it's 10 academic days, so that's yeah. two weeks of school, right? Better yet, let's go to a quarter system school who isn't even in class. Right. You know, let's go to Dorian Thompson Robinson. Cross town. Right? I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, like, I just think, like, I, I hope that does not happen, but Amen. it's gonna, right? And and that's where we are. So do we become what you've referenced many times to me and I just listened to around the Night Commission, right? Like, where's the future of the game? That's a yeah. podcast in and of itself. Yes, it is. Uh, but, yeah, man, it, it is it's going to be wild. I'll tell you that, and we'll cover the daylights yeah. out of it. So we bled past 30 as we do. But kudos, Yogi. Um, the Campbell Trophy. Yes. So we know we know who won the Heisman. The pack did not have a representative in the Heisman thing. But Brady White, who played at Arizona State for a while and ended up going to Memphis, uh, uh, getting he already has not just his undergrad but his master's and is working on his PhD right now. Unbelievable. Uh, wins the Campbell Trophy. Great job. His dad, Darren, is a Pac-12 basketball official. Uh, I've never met Brady, but I, I just know, knowing Bill as I did, that that's a, as Justin Herbert was last year. This is the person that is so representative to win the Campbell Trophy. It is not the academic Heisman. 
repeat, it is not the academic Heisman. That's a Rhodes Scholarship. <laughs> this is an award to someone who can play, is a very good player and a very good student and a very good leader. The integrity that you talked about that's so much a part of the Heisman voting. Yeah, I'm so excited for him. Um, you know, just to kind of put a bow on his family too, his younger brother was a really talented high school quarterback and he's committed to Princeton. And Alabama comes in at the last second, they offer him a scholarship. He's probably not going to play, just be an extra arm. And he goes, nah, we'll go to Princeton. Right. So you just think of like the confines and the constructs of that household. Mom. Like, all I can say is mom must be a genius because I know Darren. This ain't coming from him. <laughs> mom, way to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't followed his college career, so I don't know what he's doing, but Brady was, he was always such an amazing young man. And even his teammates at ASU, they loved him. Yeah. It, it wasn't a, if you think about that team. It was him, Manny Wilkins, Blake Barnett, as well as uh, former quarterback uh, Bryce Perkins at Virginia, all on the roster under Todd Graham at the same time. Obviously, uh, three of them ended up leaving. At I was going to say, only one state. There's college football. Right? Yeah, free portal, right? So um, who knows? But yeah, congratulations to Brady, and we'll make sure we reach out to him as well, man. I know how much that award means to you and, and, and me as well. All right, brother. All right. We'll keep doing this. We, we got so much more to talk about. So much more. And this thing flew. So we'll keep coming. We'll try to keep them at 30. We promise. But you know how we get going. Send us your feedback. Share it with your friends. Give us a uh, give us a five star if you feel like it. And let us know what you want to talk about. Ted, cheers. Tonight, was the, grape, tonight was the grape juice that got me uh, got me a little looser tongue. It's all healthy. It. It's all healthy. Amen to that. All right. So here's the healthy 2021. Good luck in hoops. We'll talk next week. I'm Yogi Roth. This is Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because I have a charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.